It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Well, Graz, it is always great to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. It's great to hear your voice. Well, thanks, Gary. It's a pleasure to be on with you as, at any time, any place, anywhere. And it's also good that my voice can be heard, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking to you is, is great no matter what. This is a good excuse to do it, though. Uh, starting tonight, uh, we're going to play on 710 and on some of the network stations. Every game from the Game 5 series, Mariners and Yankees in 1995 from the ALDS and it's going to start tonight we're going to play all five in a row and you know it's been fun Uh, I've had a chance now to listen to all these games digitizing them and everything and I had some problems with a couple of tapes so like games one and two I've listened to a few different times but you know it just strikes me just pushing everything else aside that was just an all-time great series it was just a tremendous baseball series just standing alone just on its own what an amazing series it was i I think you could argue it's the best five game series ever and um game five of course from the mariner's standpoint overshadows everything but um you're exactly right it was five fantastic games of baseball the the subplots were unbelievable it was the yankees first time back in the postseason in 15 years it was a it was a series that was the last for Don Mattingly. Had a featured his last at bat at Yankee Stadium. At the same time, the, the three rookies Derek Jeter, George Posada, and uh, Mariano Rivera all on the Yankees roster, all except for Jeter, played. And Rivera actually had a huge role in a couple of games in the series. You had that that turning of changing of the guard there. Tito Martinez, who was destined to become Mattingly's replacement for the Yankees, obviously uh, with, with the plays that he had. Uh, the Randy Johnson series, uh, of course, uh, you know, what he did. I mean, Edgar was beyond belief hitting over 600, but Junior hit five home runs in that series, uh, overshadowing the incredible series that Ruben Sierra had and Jim Leritz had. It was the, you, you hit the nail on the head, man. It was, it was just fantastic baseball, five fantastic games that, that, that stand on their own merits, all, all five of them. I'm glad you mentioned Mattingly. I was listening to game one earlier today, and Mattingly goes to the plate in game one and gets a thunderous standing ovation from Yankee Stadium. And it's, you know, it's a hard thing to imagine this day and age, but throughout the entire career of Don Mattingly as a Yankee, that was the first time he appeared in the postseason. It's amazing to think about. And his last year with the, with the team, you yeah. know, his last year, you know, and everyone kind of kind of knew that that was the case. Uh, and uh, you know, the whole thing was just surreal. I, I was doing post game, obviously, so I was there. Um, you know, first off, the Mariners, of course, had uh, the game that everyone remembers, where everybody scored and and beat the Angels, and then literally um, got on a got on their charter that night. Those of us in the media flew out on a red eye as well. Flew into New York for the for the start of the series. Uh, the O.J. Simpson verdict was that morning, that afternoon, actually, in, in New York. 
So that that was going that happened that day for crying out loud. And yet Yankee Stadium was just all about baseball. It was the first postseason game in 15 years in Yankee Stadium since '81, since the Dodgers beat them. Uh, and it was Steinbrenner was was back. I think it, I think it was three years back from being suspended or four years back from being suspended. So I mean the you know we talk about the kingdom being wild and electric. Yankee Stadium was beyond belief. I mean, uh, and I had been there. I, had, I went to high school and college in New York, so I'd been to some games there, including 76 World Series games, and it was nothing like the environment in this game. Now, it got got treacherous. The Yankee fans were throwing stuff on the field and everything like that, but, you know, the, the ovation Mattingly got, I remember, was ear-splitting, was absolutely ear-splitting. And um, he, um, he had his moments in the series, too, uh, good ones. And not so good ones, but uh, for the Yankee fans, it was, I think it was thrilling to have him there, and, and, and he was a factor. You know, you pointed out, I, I was re-listening to your pregame show from that game from New York, and it's, you know, when you think back, it was just a few hours before the Mariners had just played the most important game in their franchise history to get him to that spot, and then hours later, you're in New York talking about the first postseason game in franchise history. And you were talking to Dave Niehaus in the pregame show and all of his emotions at the same time, you know, he'd been, he'd been calling Mariners baseball since pitch one. Mm -hmm. And there he was at New York about to call his first postseason game. Just the whirlwind in just those few hours was pretty amazing to look back on. Well, in three days, I mean, you know, two, two days earlier, you were losing in Texas and <laughs> you flew to Seattle uh, where they sold all the tickets for that one game against the angels. And then boom. And, and so, I mean, just to get back to the ball game for a second, you know, what it meant was, you know, going into the series, the Mariners it, it looked like they had taken everything they had just to get there. You weren't going to see Randy Johnson, but once there is, you believed. So, you know, that was that was the bad news. I mean, he, you know, Chris Basio got the start in game one against David Cohn, and and you know, Basio was 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 a bulldog, was was a tough guy, but you know, basically had no legs at that point in his career. He just he was going on, on guts and guile, and you know you had you had him. You had uh, Norm Charlton, who, you, who was a sore armed reliever. You picked up, uh, you know, late in the year from Philadelphia, who'd been a godsend closing games out. But you know, you really seemed to be at a disadvantage pitching staff wide and wise in, in that game. And and I remember the Yankees took the lead. Uh, I think it was Wade Boggs who hit a hit a two run homer fairly early in that one. And you just felt like Basio wasn't gonna wasn't gonna last long, but he he did. He he went into the sixth inning, I think. Uh, and uh, before the Yankees took it 4-2, and then uh, Jeff Nelson and Bobby Ayala, who had hit struggles that <laughs> year, uh, gave up uh, gave up a big home run to Ruben Sierra, and, and the Mariners lost that lost that first game. But it was it was quite a quite a wild environment. And uh, again, like I said, because they were it took so much to get there, you really wondered what they were going to have left. Little did we know what was coming in Game Two. Yeah, no doubt about that. And you know, it's amazing to look back on that and after just a heartbreaking, crushing loss in Game 2 that any team could come back and not only win the next day, but win three in a row after that. I mean, that was just a brutal loss on the road. You went from a chance to come back tied, feeling great, to we've got to beat a good team three games in a row. And it was such an unbelievable game, yeah. too. I mean, that's the thing. It was Andy Bennis. Um, who the Mariners did really for the was a galvanizing pickup when he when he came in at the trade deadline. It was the first time the Mariners had ever done that. And he'd been spotty, but he'd been okay. 
but he was a National League guy. I mean, he was with the Reds, so he had never even pitched in Yankee Stadium before. And and he's getting his start uh, against Andy Pettit, who's a rookie. I forgot him in, 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 the, in the group of rookies because Pettit had pitched a lot, but he's a rookie as well uh, for the Yankees and got the start in that game. And, and, you know, you had the controversial calls in that game. Um, yeah. uh, Corey getting an infield hit in particular early on. Vince Coleman hitting a home run in the game. Edgar uh, having some uh, some some success that was going to portend what was to come in the series. Pettit, I think, picked three runners off or two runners off, uh, in, including uh, Jay Buhner at a really key time in the game. Uh, it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Norm Charlton came in for a three-inning save as the Mariners, I think, took the lead. Well, it was the Soho hit an RBI single, and Griffey had a sack fly and, and put him up 4-3, I think, in the sixth. And Charlton came in for a three-inning save, gave up a home run to his former teammate Paul O'Neill when they, they played together in Cincinnati, and winds up working four innings. <laughs> I mean, he, he winds up staying out there and going four innings into the 11th until Jeff Nelson comes in. And, and um, you know, that was, that was just remarkable. A junior hit another home run off John Wetland in that game, and that was the game Mariano Rivera came in in the 12th and was basically unhittable. Um, uh, th- throughout that, and, and Tim Belcher came in, and and they went into the fifteenth, and then Jim Leyritz, who was who was a big you know big star for the Yankees in the postseason, hit a home run. And, and you're thinking, Gary, you know, it was like one thirty in the morning when that game ends. That you know, it, it's just you're not going to feel bad when the Mariners get swept because you know that this was asking too much of them anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, you actually you know you felt like, wow, I've seen one of the great you know the Yankees have this incredible postseason history. And this 15-inning game ending with a walk-off home run, one of the great games in Yankee postseason history as well. So you're certainly despondent, and you got to get out of town. Uh, but, you know, it's tough to get out of Yankee Stadium at 3 in the morning. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to think that they're going to come back now. Now, look, I think you felt you felt okay in Game 3 because you had the big unit. Right. But what people forget about that game, and if you've gone back and listened to it, you know, he really didn't have his ace stuff in that game, Randy. He gave up, gave up a couple of runs to – Early evil home run to Bernie Williams, uh, I think, and um, didn't have his best stuff. But uh, the Mariner bats, you know, came alive, and and uh, it was it was Edgar getting it going as well. And and um, the Mariners got the win behind Randy Johnson, uh, but uh, they really had to use a lot of their bullpen up. I mean, I think 14 bullpen innings were pitched in the first three games. You had Basio going on three days rest, and, and again, I mean, it's a guy with no legs. Uh, you know, you didn't know how far he was going to go in game four. In fact, if I remember right, Gary, I think that in game four in the first inning, Pinella actually had this bullpen up because he gave up a couple of runs, gave up, I think, three runs in the first inning. I think Ayala and Nelson, if I, cause I went back and looked it up. Yeah. Ayala and Nelson were up, were up in, in the first inning of that game. And it wound up being, they wound up being down five, nothing. But of course, you know, that was, that was the Edgar Martinez game. We all know what was to come in game four. It's amazing that you mentioned bullpen, and I look at Norm's series, and it's incredible. He pitched in four games in the five-game series, seven and a third innings in that stretch. I mean, he pitched a ton. I guess he was a guy that would take the ball no matter what, no matter how he was feeling, he would always take the ball. Yeah, uh, and I mean, it, it was it was high leverage, man. I mean, it was a lot of high leverage stuff, Uh you know, uh, and, you know, I, I still, to me, much of that, that performance in game two, just to go four innings. Yeah. Uh, and after, you know, after kind of kicking yourself, after giving up the home run to tie the game to O'Neill, 
um, just, just to, to, to mow them down for three innings like that was just was just sensational and and, and it was it was just amazing and and um, you know he comes in in game four like you know like he did in all the other ones and um, you know they 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 got the bats going Edgar Edgar ties it up uh, with, with um, in, in the I, I don't know if Edgar was Edgar tied up in the fifth inning I don't remember I know they were down five nothing Edgar hit a three run home run that's right to, to get him back to five three and then. Um, Nelson pitched four innings in relief, I think, if I remember right. Because I know Basio came out in the third. I think Nelson pitched four innings of relief in game four. And then Charlton came in in the eighth. And, um, you know, Edgar yeah. and, and hit the big bomb. And, and they had the 10-6 win to set up uh, the uh, the amazing game five. It's incredible to look back on. I mean, there's all the star power from both sides. You know, Hall of Famers, Griffey and... Randy and Edgar and the Yankees had their star power of their own, you know, kind of, you know, the Boggs and Cone, Mattingly, and then the, the younger group at that time that eventually be their backbone. And you had the former Yankees, Buner and Blowers, the future Yankees, Tino yeah. Martinez and Jeff Nelson. There's just, there is so much depth to this series and way the both teams ended up intertwined. It's so true, and and um, you, I mean, just the, you, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they were they were kind of intertwined uh, with Pinella managing the, the yeah, Mariners. You know, I mean, right. a guy who had been on those great Yankee teams in the '70s and was a beloved figure in New York. Uh, you know, you, you totally had them uh, intertwined, and and uh, guys coming and going, and and it was just uh, you know, well, I mean, for everyone who was there, it's it's hard to overstate how how dramatic Game Five was, and. And, um, you know, Joey Cora actually, you know, that, that, uh, you know, there were the other thing about the, the series, Gary, I'm going to say that there were at least five or six highly controversial calls. Yeah. And there was obviously no replay, <laughs> at least five or six of them. And, and one of them was in the, was in the eighth inning of game four when, um, before Edgar's uh, grand slam, when, uh, Cora dragged a bunt down the first baseline and, and Mattingly, instead of throwing it the first, uh, tried to tag him and, and, and accused Cora of running out of the baseline and uh, lost the argument, of course. And then that exact scenario played out again in game five, uh, where, where Cora got on base, you know, in that, you know, the, the, that, the bottom of that inning where, where Griffey uh, scored, the, scored the run to win it. I mean, it, it's funny. I was, it was on TV, and I think a lot of people watched it when it was on last week. Seven pitches. It was seven pitches from despair. To, to winning that game. I mean, it really, really happened fast because Randy Johnson had given up the run and then Jack McDowell was out there and, and had pitched a couple of innings and, and it was Cora quickly and, and then boom, boom, boom. I mean, Griffey got on base, hit the, hit, the, hit the single to make it first and third and then Edgar looked at the pitch and then boom, hit it down the line, seven pitches and the Mariners win one of the great series ever played. And it's hard to overstate both Griffey and Edgar that series that they had i mean you mentioned mm -hmm. griffey's five homers edgar had five extra base hits the big home runs 10 ribbies griffey seven i mean both of them they could not have been any better in those five games and the mariners as it turned out needed every one of those hits and runs along the way yeah edgar, i think it's 615 <laughs> i mean he hit 600 in a series for crying out loud and and uh, there were there were many other. You, you're right. They needed they needed every one of those runs. I mean, the Yankees were were valiant in that series, uh, and um, you know it, it was it was just it was the the twist and the turns, you know, from game one on. I mean, it started at the beginning, and you knew it was going to be something special with the Yankees and Steinbrenner being a big factor in the whole thing. 
and it just lived up to it. And, and you know, really, like, like we talked about at the very start, I mean, just for the Mariners to get there, the whirlwind that they did, that three games and three games, three games and three cities run, just to get started in the series, to, to figure you weren't going to see Randy Johnson but once, and of course we know you saw him again uh, when he came in in relief in game five, uh, which was portending big things to come from him in the future, as the Diamondback fans uh, know when Randy came in the day after pitching a, a big game and, and helped them win uh, that series in 2001. You saw so many portends of the future uh, for those guys in that game and, and, and big guys coming through, but, but also, you know, uh, I'm not going to call them smaller guys, but I guess in, the, in terms of stature, Joey Coral was a smaller guy also making their mark in that series and, and uh, you know, setting themselves in Mariner lore and, and, and so many, so many heroes and so many twists and turns and, and, and such, such a great baseball series. I mean, just, just five fantastic ball games. Yeah. One of the things I'd forgotten in game five is I, I guess I didn't even realize at the time that David Cohn threw 147 pitches in game <laughs> five. I mean, that's incredible. It was, he had done that a couple of times during the year. And, and remember, Cone was their hired gun. Yeah. Uh, Cone right. didn't start the year with the Yankees. They picked him up during the season. And um, he, he gave it everything he had, man, in that game. And he absolutely gave up, gave it everything uh, that he had. And it was Bennis against uh, Cone in, the, in that game. And, and you know, I mean, uh, you know, another, another thing to think about, too, was, was the coaching decisions that were made. Um, you know, some good Buck Showalter has been criticized and some, some, uh, places I, I don't think that he really deserved it for for some of his decisions. I I, I would have lost faith in John Wetland too. Yeah. I mean the fact that he given up so many home runs and and going with McDowell and and how could he have known what he had in Mariano Rivera? You know to to know that he could have probably gone another inning with him because uh, you know the Sandman was was going to be one of the great relievers of all time. But you know you had in in Game Five, I think it was in the sixth inning um, when Andy Bennis was still pitching. And uh, they load the bases up, and um, the Yankees, uh, I think, got a sack fly, and, and then get uh, they they walk Mattingly to pitch. I, I believe they they put up uh, put up a pinch hitter that was Mike Stanley, who I think had eight grand slams in his career. And Pinella rolled the dice and says, "We're going to pitch to Stanley with the bases loaded. We're going to walk Mattingly and pitch to Stanley." Three seventy five, eight grand slams, and uh, you know it pays off. I mean, Bennis pops him up. I mean. That doesn't happen. They don't win the game. I mean, Mattingly hit a ground rule double in that game. I think it was in that inning, as a matter of fact. That could have scored a couple of runs had it not bounced into the sand. So you had a series that swung on managerial decisions. You had guys pushing buttons like crazy and um, just just uh, gut-wrenching performances by, by all. And, you know, I just remember how exhausted the Mariners were after that game and thinking, geez, now they got to play the Indians. Right. Who in that strike, strike shortened season, and ironically, we're looking at a shortened season, of course, this year. Sure. In 144 games, had won 100 games, had one of the great lineups I think we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mariners had Bob Wolcott pitch the first <laughs> game for crying out loud. <laughs> oh, I, I was listening to one of your pregames. I, I can't remember which game it was, but you you introduced it, and you know we're at Yankee Stadium. It's August fourth. I mean October fourth, and it was just a slip, but I think it captured everything perfectly because I know. I mean, you had that going on. You had football going on at the same time. I mean, just I don't know how you knew what day it was to begin with, just with everything was, going on. Well, for me, it was the most fun of my career because you're right. I mean, I, I was doing color for the Washington State Cougars as well, and and actually the weekend the Mariners played. 
the Rangers to try and lock the thing up. I've gone down there for the first game. Griffey hit the home run in the ninth to, to clinch the tie and then took a plane up to Lincoln, Nebraska to do a Washington State game uh, there and then, um, you know, back, back to uh, Seattle for the incredible game with the Angels, then to New York for those games there. Then by the time the Indian series started, went to a game in Cleveland, flew back to California for a Washington State-USC game. It's the sort of stuff that we love, Gary, as broadcasters, yeah. to have a million things happening. And, and then, uh, you know, it was six, six, I think it was five months later, the Sonics were in the NBA Finals uh, against the Chicago Bulls. It was, uh, it was a great run for uh, Seattle area sports and, and uh, for the Mariners to start off with that series against the Yankees. It was just, just fantastic fun. I mean, it's the sort of thing, you know, people – We'll talk about. Don't you get tired of talking about '95? And I'm like, never, man, never. <laughs> it was, it was absolutely. I'm, I'm looking for them to top it. I certainly want to have other things to talk about, but, sure. but that series will always be talked about. And until we have uh, real baseball, which I hope we do at some point. I mean, it, it's kind of fun to relive, you know, some of these, you know, great games in Mariners history and, and random games in Mariners history as we go through kind of the the classic of classics of Mariners history and in, until we get real baseball this this is what we have I guess yeah I guess so and then you know it's been fun watching them I mean I enjoyed watching Ichiro's first game and yeah and uh, just remembering that year and, and uh, you know 2001 kind of gets lost in the shuffle believe it or not a little bit uh, because of the way it ended and and having won 116 games but but Ichiro's debut the year Alex Rodriguez leaves and and you know what's it going to be like and is this guy really going to make it? Uh, you know, I, it was it was it was a great one to watch. You know, just to, to kind of see that that beginning and you know Felix is perfecto and you know there are there are definitely some highlight games to look at. Not nearly enough though, and hopefully uh, the Mariners are, are beginning an arrow now where they're gonna they're gonna start adding to that postseason legacy yeah, once we know, start playing baseball again. Yeah, you mentioned 2001. It's funny. I just chopped up the 2001 All Star game that we're gonna play here in the next few days. And it's so funny to listen to because, I mean, there's eight Mariners in the game. You know, Freddie gets the win. Sasaki gets the save. It's a perfect day in Seattle. You know, Ripken hits the home run, too. But, I mean, it was just a Mariners love fest. It's just wild how the game turned out and how that season turned out the year it was at Safeco Field. Yeah, it was. Uh, You know, you're right. Ripken's home run was spectacular. Uh, the eight Mariners, Freddie Garcia starting, and I think Randy Johnson got the start for the National yeah, League. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and 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 he faced Ichiro, the first batter. So you had you had the big unit there as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember uh, this was something Rick Riz did for me, and I know we're off the subject a little bit, but 2001 anyway, when the Mariners were off to that start, where you know they 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 had the division clocked within you know, a month and a half, two uh-huh. months of the season, it was over. And I remember talking to Rick Riz about, geez, you know, I mean, there's I mean, what does it feel like to have a 12-game lead in, like, May? And he says, well, I know one guy who knows. And uh, it was Sparky Anderson, who mm-hmm. had a Detroit Tigers team that I think started 35-5 uh, one year on their way to 108 wins. And he says, why don't we call Sparky and see what he thinks about it? And I'm laughing, and Rick pulls out his cell phone, <laughs> to punches in a few numbers. Hey, Sparky, I got, a, I got a guy here who wants to know what it feels like to be 35-5. And five. and hands the phone over to Sparky <laughs> Anderson. He starts, uh, what's your name, Dave? Well, let me tell you, Dave, and just starts explaining what it feels like. And it was, you know, what, what magical years are magical. They're magical for everyone around and, and everyone involved. And, and 2001 was, was, was that last time the Mariners truly had that magic. And, and, and like, like no other year, so many, 
so many things happened that season that uh, that we'll always remember. And uh, it, it is fun, you know. Just uh, I know you're doing a great job doing it too. We racking those great memories and, and having a chance to, to experience them. And and you know, it's it's funny because uh, I saw a thing on I think it was Twitter that uh, I don't know if it's Dave Sims posted it, but I think he might have a Vince Scully mm. uh, talking for about two and a half minutes, uh, and and then you know kind of making the point is that we'll know when everything's back to normal is when baseball comes back, and that's yeah. that's always been the way over the years. Is, is baseball is but it's also marked uh, when, when things are all right in the world, we're playing baseball, and that'll be true again this time around. Absolutely. A perfect note to end things. Thanks, Gross. Fun as always. We'll do it again soon. Gary, I love you, man. Anytime. Love you too. Thank you. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.